Colorado gets a big upset win at home over their longtime rival Nebraska, but more importantly, USC upsets Stanford, Cal upsets Washington in early Pac-12 games. All that and more on this week's Eligible Receiver. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible Receiver, offense number 64. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And this week started off this past week on Friday night with Arizona State hosting Sacramento State, a walk in the park, you say. Well, let me tell you, it was 9-0 headed into the fourth quarter, and Arizona State won by 12. This was a terrible game. Yeah. I hope this wasn't on TV. I certainly didn't watch it. It was on TV, and I did watch some of it. And my only comment was that I, I wonder how much time Herb Everett spent like discussing about how Sacramento is not a state. I, I bet. Uh, I mean, it, it flummoxed him, it looked like, for three quarters. I bet you that really tipped him over going into the game. Which, if I was going to blame this on anything. I bet a guy like Herm Edwards, very principled man. Yeah. Like there's no way he's going to take something like this sitting down. And my guess would be they didn't game plan at all and spent almost their entire week in preparation preparing to deal with the notion that Sacramento, not, not a state. It's a city. It's not a state. Yeah. Because the point of having principles is that uh, there are just vast swaths of information that come to you that you don't even need to think about because you have beliefs that you hold to uh, that you, they, they are just immediately cataloged and you can just move right on through them. So you look down at your shirt if you're Herm Edwards, Arizona State. Makes sense. Arizona's a state. All of a sudden you're looking across the field, Sacramento State. Wait a second here. I mean, and then you yeah. just start asking questions about everything, you know. It's not a state, man. Yeah. It's not a state at all. Yeah. What so, is it okay. a state? You know. Yeah, we're, we're going to chalk it up to that, and we're going to move on. Hopefully this week, I believe, Harm is faced off against a, a school that is representative of a state, and so, you know, that will get them back on, you know, back on track this coming week, and they'll be, they'll be all will be right with the world. That's right. I just want Herm to be happy and comfortable. Uh, next up, moving to the Saturday games, uh, Utah hosted Northern Illinois, frequent Pac-12 appointment Northern Illinois, uh, this was a game at the half. Uh, Utah was up 21-17, uh, but then Utah scored a couple TDs in the second half and shut Northern Illinois out to end up with a comfortable 35-17 victory. Was that enough to cover? It was not. It was a 22-and-a-half point spread. Out- so, outrageous. NIU covers that up, but, uh, yeah, as you said, Utah kind of chugging along. Looks Looked pretty good in the second half there. You know, nothing to – Nothing to complain about. NIU is a is a real team, so you know with a, with a a real quarterback. So I I think if you're Utah, you're you're very pleased with that outcome. Look at me and Worm go. We were all over that. You were. Yeah. All right, I'll take it. Uh, next up, Oregon and Nevada. Nevada, they'd got that big last second field goal win against Purdue at home, but uh, everybody right going into this game was like Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. You know, like I said last week, uh, I, ball at home against inferior opposition is uh, they they take care of business. 
77 to 6. Yeah, I mean, whenever I see a score like that, uh, I don't know. There's like two. Like one, maybe you're trying to build confidence in your team or something like that, you know. But like, uh, you know, it's like when Tom Cruise was jumping up on the couch on Oprah talking about how much uh, he loved Katie Holmes. It's like, who are you trying to convince? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, I get it. You know, if you're better than somebody, just be better than them and leave it at that. You don't need to be scoring no 77 points. That's how I feel about that. Uh, Washington State hosted Northern Colorado. Second week in a row, Cougs blowout winners 59 to 17. Not much to say about it. They're way better than the two teams they've played, and they've looked it. And feel good if you're a Coug fan going into week three, you know, on the road against a, a decent non-conference opponent. So, you know, good for them. Uh, here's here's an interesting one. Uh, USC hosts Stanford. Ranked Stanford comes into the game. USC had lost JT Daniels, their quarterback. Jack Sears in the transfer portal. And they trot out this character to, whose name, to me, is this is clearly a professional quarterback that they brought in under a pseudonym because I'm not buying as a legitimate name. Keaton Slovis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, look real quick. That's one of the McCowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like, try a little harder. Just like, you know, Joe somebody or something, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that name is a mess. But I'll tell you what, his play wasn't 28 of 33 for 377 yards and three touchdowns. USC going away against Stanford, 45 to 20. Stanford is very injured. Um, Costello's out, maybe out for some time. Walker Little, they're very, very good left tackles out for the year now. Had surgery, gone, done. Um, Foster Sorrell is doubtful. I don't know if he played in this game or not, but I think it's safe to say that this year Stanford is a a shell of its former self and is not going to be uh, the play that we're going to see on the field is not representative of the program we've come to expect over the past, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah. And I, and I want to give you credit for pointing out the importance of that left tackle injury to Walker little last week, uh, because you know, it's, it, it's enough to have the problem with the quarterback, but their fallback has always been, they have these giants who can just maul people. And that apparently dealt a major blow to their ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it was important for USC to win that game, so I think they they felt the pressure and and looky looky here, Clay Helton's two and zero and got a ranked team all of a sudden. Yeah, Clay Helton's. Well, here's what I'm scared about with USC: they're two and zero. They got the nice dub. They're ranked all of a sudden. They fired Lynn Swan, which you hate to yeah. see them. You know, like realizing they're not anywhere near living up to their potential, which can be, which is only a couple of moves away from being realized at any given time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, great start for that. Couldn't be better for them. If you're a USC fan, you got two dubs and you got rid of your athletic director. Who's awful. Yeah. You got to love it. All right. Colorado at home against Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska were the favorites in this game, ranked Nebraska coming off their big four wins last year. Uh, and here's who was buying it at our group. What worm. And that's it. But you and I were both like, no way. Nebraska's garbage. I'll tell you what. This is a furious, furious comeback. Colorado was down 17-0 at the half, and they end up winning the game in overtime 34-31. to This is a great game. I really enjoyed this game. And Colorado, you know, good for them. They're getting the Mel Tucker era off to, you know, you know, win over a hated rival of, you know, of a bygone era. And, you know, Nebraska, 
you know, again, ranked inexplicably ranked coming into this season after coming off a four and eight year. Um, I, I really enjoyed this game and Colorado's got a little bit of mo now, a little bit of momentum. Thank you very much. Sorry. I was shushing my daughter away because she was coming in to talk to me about something. I will come up and see you when I'm done, my dear. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I've got to say I was distracted there and I will agree with everything you said. Well, that was brilliant. I'm going to tell you that when you, when you go put this show together, you're really going to be impressed with what I came up with. I am. I'm excited to listen to it. Uh, next up, uh, San Diego State and UCLA. <laughs> UCLA has uh, been trying to tell you who they are. San Diego, San Diego State's been trying to tell you who they are. San Diego State, I think in the last like what, five years has wins over like USC, Stanford, Cal, and UCLA, like, and they beat everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to listen this week, and it's not going to be hard because I believe UCLA is playing um, Oklahoma. So, Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm now paying attention to who UCLA is, and I will, <laughs> I will pick accordingly. Yeah. All right. Arizona. It's important to beat back these in-state challenges, you know. Northern Arizona comes in. They, they've, uh, you know, just the topography of Arizona, I believe uh, that uh, the northern part actually has a significant elevation advantage. And if there were some kind of battle, that that would uh, give them a, a benefit, right? Flagstaff is like a low-key city with weather, right? Because it's up in the mountains a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so uh, important for Arizona to take care of business in this one. And they just about did. I mean, they were up 51 to 13 at half. And then I'm going to presume they play backups and ended up winning 65 to 41. Hope you bet the over. Yeah, no kidding. That's a, I mean, that, that halftime score has got to make you feel good, though, if you're an Arizona fan. Like, yeah. you could have beat them by as many as you wanted to, and you just kind of let them score in the second half because you're getting some young guys some time or something. Yeah, that's what I said. I agree with that. I think that's proper. Uh, then finally, out in Hawaii, uh, the Beavs went out there. The Beavs were dogs. Hawaii had already. Uh, what beat somebody this year, right? Yeah, they beat Arizona. Yeah, well, hell, you know. So Hawaii looking to make it two for two in the Pac-12, and they did do it. But those Beavers, they snuck inside the number. Beavers actually had a lead at halftime uh, before losing the second half, ten to zero. I believe the Beavers like went up twenty-one-three in this game, and were like looking like they're going to run away with it. Um, and then just couldn't do anything from there. And as you said, lost the second half, ten to zero, and then subsequently lost the game, which is unfortunate for them. They needed that game to, you know, I think to get some, to get things turned around. It's not going to get, you know, they don't have the easiest road ahead of them. I think this week they're, they're, uh, let's see what they got this week. Um, doesn't look like they're playing, which makes sense because they're coming back from Hawaii. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it would have been nice for them to get that win in Hawaii. Hawaii is now 2-0 and in the Pac-12, so good for them. Yeah, all right. And I believe that covers everybody except for Washington and California. Uh, what a game. Kicked off at 730. Uh, resumed the first quarter after two, three and outs about uh, at like 1030 at night. And they played till not quite two in the morning. And yeah. uh, tell you what, California ends up winning the game 20 to 19. I think I was saying last week coming in. 24 points will do it. Can Washington get it? And I thought they'd be able to kind of get up there around, you know, high 20s, low 30s. But it was just not the case. It was not the case. The secondary locked down Washington's receivers. Uh, and Colorado kind of hung around, hung around, hung around. And then, uh, I mean, dominated in the second half, really. 
Yeah. Um, I'm furious that they played this game. I I can't believe that they allowed that to happen. Yeah. If you're, if you're Washington. if I mean, first of all, the inclement weather was insane. Um, you know, torrential rain, lightning strikes everywhere, rolling thunder. Yeah. But it like was, like borderline apocalyptic. It was the high school band day, which means you've got thousands of high school kids there with, you know, a couple of adult chaperones per band, but not, you know, certainly a, a, a skewed ratio. And it was the little uh, the, the, the little cheerleaders day, right, where the, the girls go out, um, you know, the, the girls go out with the, the cheer team at halftime with all the high school bands. And then, the you know, I think six to 12 year olds get get husky cheerleading outfits and they get to do it as well so they're there obviously they're mostly there with their families um so you're washington you lost to cal last year you have a young inexperienced defense although you know somewhat talented that played well in week one and you get seven home games a year where you have a pretty sizable competitive advantage when it comes to playing at home in Husky stadium. Yeah. The home team is already, the the away team is already uncomfortable, right? That's the whole point of going on the road. And that's why it's so hard to win on the road because it's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's different. It's what, it's what really good coaches are able to overcome by getting their team into a routine and getting them able to overcome the fact that the, the setting is different. The locker room is worse. You know, they're sleeping in a hotel bed. So if you're Cal and a weather, inclement weather comes up, like, yes, you will be impacted by that in the, in the same, you know, in the same degree that Washington is. But you're, you're already, you know, to some degree out of sorts because you're on the, you're the road team. If you're Washington, you get seven home games a year. You have a very nice advantage with your crowd. Um, don't give that away. Like, don't give it away. You... You call up the network or Larry Scott or whomever's making that decision, and you say, we have a safety issue here. We've got a lot of kids that we've got to deal with, that we've got to make sure they're okay. We've got a lot of families with young children here. We've got horrible weather. We've got mass transit that is now going to end before the game will end. And I'm sorry that this is going to be a real drag, but we can't can't play this game. Sorry. We'll figure it out. Why, Why didn't that happen? I mean, what I was following on Twitter is that uh, while both teams had buys, they didn't really match up. They thought was maybe like Cal could have got out of their game against Ole Miss uh, for some reason or other. I mean, Washington is already horrifically scheduled this year. I think they have a buy in the last week of October and then one again in the middle of November. But it's like, I mean, you know, they're playing from the first part of the season. They're playing weeks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight weeks in a row without a bye to start it. And then you want to, I mean, they're going to be screaming for a bye at that point after the Oregon game. I don't know, man. I I just, I um, you give it away. Like, you, you, you just play right into their hands when you go play a game in front of an empty stadium at 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? I just, I just, it's unbelievable to me that that they would allow that to happen. That's, but. that's funny because one of the things I was thinking of when I wanted to talk about this game was that like, I don't want to 
like, uh, so I agree with what you're saying, right? That it uh, uh, diminished uh, an advantage Washington had by going ahead and playing the game. But also, I don't think that I like, and I truly don't think it matters because it ended up being a one point game that it's, it just, it, who cares? You know, like Cal was also in tremendous, you know, like arguably, uh, depending on how you look at it, they're the ones who are stuck out away from home. You know, at least Washington players know they get to go back to their beds tonight uh, and are like familiar with the stadium and stuff like that. Like Cal's out here just absolutely marooned in the bowels of Husky Stadium with flickering electricity. Uh, and to me, it, it it's, it's a bummer for the game day experience that they didn't get to play it in front of a fuller stadium. But I don't think it had much of an effect the game the game was still there to win i'm just thinking of nick saban right or Dabo sweeney nick saban mostly um and then and then them like disrupting his schedule even a little bit right yeah just things being even a little bit different than the way he wanted them to be in a conference game that dude is the most selfish you know single-minded I'm going to win a championship. Nobody's going to get in my, you know, nothing. I'm not going to tolerate anything. I, they would have absolutely been like, nope, nope. This is a little bit different than we thought it was going to be. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's it's slightly to our disadvantage. I don't accept that. Like in the SEC, teams don't accept that. They want to win. They are selfish about it. They are willing to do what that takes. And I could just, it just was just, you know, as the hours went by and the rain continued to fall and the lightning continued to come down, and it's like everybody's leaving, you know, everybody's out of there, everyone's out of sync, you know, you have the more talented team, you are at home, you have that advantage, it that's gone now. Like I, it just to me, I just that's that's the the point that I that was stuck in my mind it was like if this was the SEC, there's no way, particularly a good SEC team, there's no way the home team would go for that. They'd be like. Nope, we're done. We're done. We'll come back later. I don't care when. Not now. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that. Okay, yeah. So I agree with that, that, that maybe they should have put their foot down and not played the game. But then also my second thought is, is that once the decision is made to play the game, flush oh, it. Yeah. Flush it. Like, Go ahead and that, you, Yeah, yeah Go we're, ahead not, and we're not talking about that anymore. We got a game to win. And it was yeah. a game that they could have won. And frankly, they were up 10-3 to 3 going into the half, and they were ahead for most of the game, you know. And then all of a sudden – Cal jumps up, uh, takes a 17-14 lead into the fourth quarter, but Washington got back out in front on this one thanks to a monster field goal from Peyton Henry with like a minute to go, like 49 yards or something like that, uh, which was humongous. And then Cal's offense, which truly had done jack shit all day, uh, you know, just marched down the field, got their field goal, and then Washington, I mean, and if I'm going to sit here and say Mario Cristobal can't manage time, uh, Chris Peterson was caught absolutely with his pants down at the end of that game. Uh, just letting precious seconds come off the clock. Now, I mean, it w- was it the difference between a win and a loss? No, but I think it was the difference between like maybe a 2% chance to win and maybe like a 10% chance to win. And what I would like to do at that point is maximize our ability to win where maybe you could throw a pass in the middle of the field, clock it and give your kicker who's just made a monster field goal a chance to win the thing at the gun. But we're letting, you know, 40 seconds run off the clock in the last minute because we can't decide when to call the timeout. And then we're surprised before the last kick that 
uh, once they sort out the uh, spot after the review, that the clock's running and another 10 come off. It's like, what the fuck? Well, I've already had my say on what I feel like the clock management was in this scenario, so I'll I'll just leave it at that. I totally agree with you. Once the decision is made, you to kick the game off, you gotta you gotta put it out of your mind. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Peterson. It's fair at this point to question. I mean, the big game issue is becoming more and more of an issue. He he doesn't seem to have the teams that he's putting out on the field seem to lack that killer instinct right now. They are good at beating mediocre teams they're well coached they're very talented um but cal came into this game they were pissed off they didn't they want they had a point to prove everyone thought that win last year was a fluke um and they you know hit harder and wanted it more and made fewer mistakes than than chris peterson's team did and that's that's not what chris peterson's supposed to be about but it's is kind of what he's about right now so it's i think fair to to start you know questioning that and 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 really wondering like when when is this team, you know, under him going to start looking like a team that like with some dudes that want to win, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just doing a quick, I, I meant to do this before the show, but I forgot to do it. Uh, one score games over the last two years, uh, Chris Peterson, four and five, which is honestly better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think they have the killer instinct. I think if they did, they would have come in and squashed Cal. I mean, they would have just been like, "We're bigger and better and 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 much more talented than this team is." It's still Wilcox. You know, early in his coaching career and early in his rebuild, he's got a good defense, but his offense is not good. Um, you you should have come in and squashed these guys, and they just don't. Like, they don't have a coherent offensive scheme in terms of what they're trying to get accomplished. They run nice looking plays. They have some good drives, but it, there's, it doesn't. It's not cohesive. It doesn't look like an offense that's gelled and a plan that's that's gelled. And on defense, frankly, they look bad. Um, bad tackling, out of position a lot, which you can say is is part of the youth, uh, the youth movement, which is fine. So be it. But you know, they they definitely should have won that game once the ridiculous decision was made to play it in front of an empty stadium at ten thirty at night. Now, and then also regarding the defense, even before the last drive, Kyler Gordon was left out to his own devices and just getting uh, roasted on these, like, you know, 12, 15-yard curls on the sideline uh, because, you know, he just didn't want to get beat over the top. And uh, the one thing Cal had in their passing game is they would get a wide receiver on Kyler Gordon one-on-one, send the guy downfield, you know, about 10, 15 yards, and just have him turn around and kind of hit a little back shoulder hitch. And, uh, terrible, you know, and then he got hit on the wheel a couple times on the last drive for completions and then for the pass interference that got Cal into field goal range. Uh, and you know, the play before the big completion that made the game more or less a foregone conclusion. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because time was right. When we had Greg Gaines and Vita Vea, uh, Washington's defense, part of what made it so good is that we could get home with four down linemen. Uh, and I'll tell you what, we're blitzing a lot this year. And that is putting some stress on a young secondary that, you know, even though the, the total numbers in this game end up looking fine, uh, you know, Garber's only thrown for 111 yards in the game and a significant amount of that's on the last drive. Uh, and Cal, yeah, I mean, just not really spectacular. Uh, it's like, uh, it's, it's. This is this defense is not as dominant as it's been. No, 
it's the the one silver lining I will say is that I can now enjoy the rest of the season a little bit more because we talked about it in in years past this playoff thing and particularly the fact that Washington made the playoff a couple years ago has really flipped the script when it comes to what expectations are every year and it's kind of taken some of the fun out of it um, when you're constantly worried about are you going to be in the playoff are you not going to be in the playoff are you good enough to make the playoff you know even after this game you see lots of people saying we're not out of the playoff picture and I'm like did you see that game like you're worried about that right now like so for me at least it's like okay let's just enjoy this next these next couple weeks let's see if we can play a little bit more loose and free and you know enjoy the season for college football like it used to be and not you know completely stress every day about are we a playoff you know caliber team or not yeah exactly and i think uh a big part of that uh i agree with that also and i was kind of thinking about this team and what is a reasonable expectation and if in terms of the players on the roster uh with with some notable exceptions like trey adams and miles bryant this is really a team that's looking to next season where eason will have you know a full season under his belt starting uh newton ought to have established himself as the number one running back by that point though Savan ahmed did have 120 yards or so last week um and you know pray to God you can get like Ty Jones, you know, involved or bigger receivers or Marquis Spiker comes anywhere near living up to his uh, billing as like one of the top recruits of the Chris Peterson era or uh, what's the guy's name? Puka Nakua or something like that. Oh, Austin Osborne. Or, yeah. There's like about eight, four star wide receivers on the roster that we would, I would like to see step up. Yeah. We could use a taller receiver. You know what I mean? Because, uh, and part of this, you say, well, heck, maybe Cal, they brought a lot of their secondary back and their defense was great last year. And as we know from Justin Wilcox's time at Washington, he's fantastic at shutting down boring offenses. And that's what we kind of have right now. We don't really do anything special. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and jury still, I mean, I think it's maybe creditable or charitable to Bush Hamden to say that the jury's out, but, uh, maybe give him that. Maybe we figure out something else that needs to be done offensively. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that does it for last week's games. How'd we do on the picks? We did similarly to the week one. I, I went six and four. You won the week at seven and three and worm had a, a slight bounce back at six and four. That puts our yearly record to date at 14 and eight for me, 16 and six for you and 12 and 10 for worm. So you got a nice little two-game two cushion on me and a four-game cushion on Dirty Worm. All right. I'm ready to make some picks, baby. Let's do it. All right, week three. We're starting off on Friday night. Nice game. Really nice game. Uh, Washington State traveling to Houston, not playing on campus. They're playing in the NFL stadium, NRG stadium. Uh, Cougs, eight-and-a-half-point road favorites. This is a, this is a good game, man. <laughs> Yeah, Houston's. I mean, Houston's no joke. I, I don't. I, I think they played Oklahoma and couldn't really hang with them. But that's their loss. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, WSU is not Oklahoma in terms of size, you know, in terms or speed. I do think that WSU, the offense, well, maybe similar to Houston. I think Mike Leach is gonna is gonna do what he does and get them turned around a little bit. So I'm gonna take the Cougs in this. Yeah, I'll take. Give me the Cougar. Give me the Washington State Cougs. We got Cougs on Cougs yeah, violence right, in this right. one. Uh, um, I, I as well. I'm taking the Washington State Cougars, not the Houston Cougars. All right. Uh, next up, we got Air Force going to Colorado on Saturday. 
10 a.m. Pacific time kick. Uh, is that 11 in Boulder or is Boulder mountain time? Is Bo- Boulder's mountain time, right? It's not central. It's mountain. I think that's 11. That's 11 a.m. That's too early to play football. The Air Force Academy cadets will be up, though. Like, they'll be ready. Yeah, they'll be ready to go. Uh, give me. I don't know anything about Air Force, so give me Colorado. I know there was a period where uh, about 15, 20 years ago where Air Force was a credible football operation, but I don't know that that's been the case recently. It does seem weird to me that Colorado's only four-point favorites in that. Maybe there's some kind of a letdown expectation or something, but I, I agree with you. I'll take Colorado. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, they'll get to I, – I feel like Colorado, great chance to kind of build some momentum because, like, if they lose to Nebraska, I mean, you saw that stadium. That was uh, a good Nebraska contingent there at Folsom Field. 70-30 is what Bruce Feldman speculated, with the 70 being Nebraska. And I don't really have anything against Nebraska, to be honest. It's kind of a, a you know a good story. I think it's unfortunately for them a bygone era where they can never really expect to be a dominant program. I just don't think with social media today and the way that the college football has evolved that a, that a school in the middle of, of the country like, like Nebraska has much of a chance to attract enough talent yeah. to, to be competitive year in and year out. But I do kind of like – you know, the fact that they showed up there and the numbers that they did is impressive, but also kind of like when like the Blue Jays fans show up here in Seattle and are kind of dicks about how much of the stadium they take over. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody likes that, you know, like don't do, don't be that. And so the fact that they kind of lost there is, you know, I think a little come up. And so, uh, you know, I, I already love the buffs and uh, that, that made, that made it a little nicer, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I Colorado's off to a great start and, and, you know, they conceivably should be ranked after this week. And I mean, off to the races. Yeah. And you want to say, uh, key in on, uh, LaVisca Chenault, other teams are, and Alex Fontenot, the running back, uh, has really, uh, stepped up to be uh, a force. Yeah. Gotta love him. All right. Uh, Stanford on the road at number 17, UCF. This- Huge dogs too. Touchdown. <laughs> Seven and a half point dogs in this game. Um, this is a mistake. Uh, a sk- this is a, a terrible scheduling error because that line is correct. Yeah, I, I'm going to take UCF in this game. I, I just don't – I think that with the, the, the injury news that Stanford has, the fact that they were at the Coliseum last week, they didn't have to turn around, which means that's a physical game against USC. They got punched in the mouth. They lost – you know, it looks like they've lost two of their ta- – both of their tackles. I-, I know UCF isn't, you know, as good as they have been historically, but – I mean, the last couple of years. But, I, God, it's going to be tough for Stanford to get off the mat here. So, give me give me UCF. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, next up, USC. Uh, BYU playing another Pac-12 team. They had, uh, you know, lost earlier to whoever the hell they played, Utah, in their rivalry game. Uh, and BYU went out, jumped up, got Tennessee in overtime last week against that terrible Vols program. They're back at home hosting USC. Nice little scheduling coup for them. Uh, but USC all of a sudden looks decent. Uh, USC four and a half point road favorites. I, I mean, I don't think BYU can score the football, so I, I like USC. I think USC, as you pointed out, has got good momentum right now. They're they're feeling they're feeling good about themselves. That freshman quarterback looks good. Lynn Swan's not the AD anymore, so I, I all all signs point to us thinking USC is going to be good and them falling flat on their face because they're not in LA anymore. Frankly, is what all signs point towards. But 
but but I let's take USC and see what happens. Yeah, that's that a definite possibility. Uh, because yeah, when when a team has lacks, you know, like maybe great coaching, inconsistency inconsistency is part of the deal. Uh, next up, Arizona State traveling to Michigan State, the most famous win from Herm Edwards' first season at the helm of the Sun Devils. Uh, they go to East Lansing, Michigan State, with revenge on their minds. Michigan State are 14-point favorites in this game against an Arizona State team with a freshman quarterback making his first road start, and they did not look uh, convincing in beating Sacramento State last week. Now, and Michigan State's defense is nasty. I, you know, that's that's a D'Antonio. You know, that's going to happen every year. There's no way this kid starting for Arizona State is going to have seen that kind of a defense in his life yet. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, yeah, one point for, uh, you know, Herm, uh, we're, this is at least a state. It's a totally state. He'll be he'll be focused on the right things. Um, but we don't think I, it's going to matter. I'm going to take Michigan State to, to get them pretty good. I'll take Michigan State. Hey, do you like free wins? I do. Uh, Utah is hosting Idaho State in a game without a line because it's an FCS team. I'll take Utah. I'll take Utah as well. Hey, do you like free wins? California is hosting ah, North Texas. Haven't they been like kind of up to something the last couple of years? Yeah, but it wasn't Graham Harrell, their guy, like their coordinator, and then he got poached by USC. So I don't know who replaced him. I'm not that up, up on it. I'm not either, to be honest. I mean, that's a that's kind of a line, to be honest with you, for Cal. 13 and a half point favorites. Like, Yeah, get out of here. Give me the mean green, dude. That's kind of a thing, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to take Cal just just because I feel like they're going to feel really good about themselves. But that's that does seem a, like a lot for a team that barely scores 14 points a game. North Texas, the mean green. Uh, they're going to avenge Husky Hopes travel to whatever city that team is from. <laughs> hey, do you like no-line games that actually require some thought? No, but <laughs> beef me up. The Oregon State Beavers are playing Cal Poly. And while I would like to tell you that I'm pretty confident that Oregon State is going to win this game without a line, I'm not like 100% sure on that. Like, I think they are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll take Oregon State in this game. I think we the Beavs are going to get a dub here. Might might be on traditional television like they weren't last week. I'm not sure if that's the case, honestly. I, I, I wonder what the line would be in this game. Would it be like Oregon State minus seven or something? I mean – you can probably get a line somewhere else normally because yeah. we just usually get them off this thing. But yeah, I mean, it's it. I'm not sure this game is on TV. <laughs> Ouch. Because the rest of these games, they kind of say where they are. Maybe it's on FS1 or something like that, but no, it's not, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> a, a technology institute like Cal Poly should have the ability to make that go. Yeah. This is, well, I don't know. I mean, if we want to see it, it looks like we can get a seat for $6. I don't want to. I don't either. Uh, Oklahoma traveling to UCLA. <laughs> this is a recruiting weekend. <laughs> because yeah. Oklahoma is going to explode UCLA. They're 23 and a half point favorites. Mm, that's that's a decent line, but I think Oklahoma is going to win by as many as they want to. It doesn't look like UCLA can do the thing they hired their coach to do, which is uh, score. Yeah, I, I mean – some of these lines have changed even since we, I mean, I, I did these lines this morning. It's 22 and a half. It's already 23 and a half. It should be 40. Yeah. Um, it, it just depends. I mean, you should really call Lincoln Riley. If you're in Vegas, the shrewd maneuver is to call Lincoln Riley and be like, what do you think? 
just just give me some thoughts. And if he says, yeah, I've always loved Chip Kelly and really a lot of respect for him, and then you then you adjust line accordingly. But if he's like, we're rolling, then yeah, the, the line's forty. Yeah, if the if the line is twenty three and a half and the over under is seventy two and a half, then you think Oklahoma's going to score win like 40 to 22 yeah 50 to 22 something like that yeah 50 to 23 22 points yeah i don't think they're scoring that many points and i frankly i think oklahoma could score more so give me the (laughs) do a little parlay the over in oklahoma yeah yeah all right uh texas tech traveling to arizona Arizona, uh, you know, the, the score line at the end of the game flattered Northern Arizona. You're right. The halftime score is what matters in these mismatch games, and Arizona stomped them. Uh, Texas Tech coming in. No idea what's going on with Texas Tech. Let's see who they've beaten this year. Montana State and UTEP. That's not a lot, but I, I can't tell. That doesn't tell me much. That doesn't tell me anything. We're guessing. They're, they're two and a half point road favorites. I've Arizona. Uh, I'll take the Wildcats just for fun. I'll get on the other side of that just for fun and take Texas Tech. All right. Uh, then we got the Grizz going to Oregon. They're going to lose. They're going to lose and they're going to lose big. And that's a free win for the good guys. Uh, and that takes us to our last game. They're, of course, the bad guys. I want to be clear. Uh, Washington. Hosting Hawaii, Washington, 20 and a half point favorites against a Hawaii team that already has two wins over Pac-12 competition, effectively a conference game, you know, in terms of like level of opposition. If we want to see what Washington's going to look like against the lower rungs of the Pac-12, it's coming to you uh, at 4.30 on Saturday. Uh, another, another game that the Malign has moved an entire point since earlier today when I did this, it was 21 and a half for UW when I put, when I plugged these in this morning. Um, which shows you that the money is getting smarter. And, I mean, per the rules of the pod, would take UW. Uh, they're not, I don't know that they're going to win this game by 20 and a half points. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's – it's uh, yeah, because by the, by the line in the over-under, they have us 40 to 19 winners. Seems like a lot. Yeah, seems like a lot of points for us. Doable. I don't know. I mean, they showed it against Eastern. So where on the Eastern – Cal spectrum does Hawaii's defense fall because I think what you know like we talked about Chris Peterson's team I think like when they're flowing and functioning it's the plan works and they come out and have some success early and continue to have success throughout the game okay that's certainly a a possible and even a likely outcome in this game Uh, the problem has been when the plan doesn't work and they get into a tight game Washington seems to uh, shrink uh, at the sign of pressure. So, I don't know. I mean, give me Washington to win comfortably in this game. I mean, I truly think they're going to cover and they're capable of it. And they should, and they should be angry. Uh, yeah. And and also, I want to say, I'm glad you brought up uh, the point about the college football playoff ruining prior Washington seasons. And I, I think I might have said this already. But yeah, I mean, the, the point is to be watching this team who are still absolutely in the mix for a North Division Absolutely, you know, in the mix for a strong team. And uh, I didn't say this, but I meant to say it. One of the main reasons they're trying to build besides Richard Newton is uh, 
that young D line. I kind of skirted around it by talking about how we were blitzing so much to try and manufacture pressure. We have three freshmen who are in the rotation at defensive line after years and years of having just like dead NFL guys on there, you know, and these guys are touted at least to be guys that are going to step in and be the next potential NFL D lineman from Washington. And so you just want to see those guys develop, get stronger, get a year of playing under their belt and come back in 2020 and with an experienced quarterback and a more experienced team. Yeah. For as mad as I was that, that I, I feel like, you know, UW got pushed into that playing, you know, a game that was to their disadvantage when, you know, the whole point is to maximize, you know, it's interesting. Jen Cohen was on KJR two weeks ago, I think. And they asked her about a 9 a.m. kickoff for the Michigan game next year. And she said, why on earth would we play Michigan on their time zone, not ours? We need to maximize our competitive advantage at home. And I was like, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, And so for as mad as I was for that, immediately going thrown out the window and being like, we got to play this game, even though the stadium's empty and everyone's, you know, out of sorts. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for as mad as I was about that, I, I will probably truly enjoy the season more now that I can just relax and be like, nope, they weren't good enough to be a playoff team. Nope, they weren't going to be competitive with Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama or LSU or whoever, like probably 10 other teams too. So, like, let's just enjoy watching college football kind of like we used to, you know, and, and when we weren't even in the conversation and we're just kind of, you know, we still did the podcast in those years and, like, had fun doing it. So, that's that's like not planning right now. Yeah, I tell you what, you know what's fun about those years? The swings. Man. It gets so good and it gets so bad and so many times over and over in a month. It does. Yeah. All right. Uh that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers for Eric. I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.